you're not able to avoid all the pitfalls in life. But we try our best to avoid these fantasy pitfalls. On today's meeting, we're talking about tight ends to avoid. Welcome to the meeting. This is Fantasy Addicts Anonymous, the only AA that's not for quitters. I'm your fantasy football mentor, Antoine Weisslicker. Follow me on all social media at Weisslicker. Be true to thyself. Embrace your addiction. And as always, baby, earn your chip. You guys know me. I like to talk tight ends first. <laughs> I like to get that shit out of the way. Tight end is a crapshoot. Hence, I'm only going to give you two tight ends to avoid. I'm not going to be giving you a whole spiel of them. It's not going to be like five or six. It's just two tight ends to avoid because I believe that pretty much every tight end that you got to draft, you you got to draft, motherfucker. You, you got to draft them because after the like first three or four, I mean, you're not really getting much <laughs> as far as points per game is concerned from these guys. Um, as you guys know from our time in previous years, our threshold for fantasy points scored at the tight end position is eight. Eight fantasy points makes it worthwhile for you. Um, I might have to start bumping it. Uh, we might bump it to now. Nah, hold on. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Yeah, only eleven tight ends scored over, averaged over nine and a half fantasy points. So you can't even say that's average. Like, those are the top of the tops. So, again, the average is about eight. So, if you're getting eight fantasy points a week out of your tight end, your average, and that's the threshold. We want our guys to be over. We want our guys to be over average um, without being elite. And elite being that elite is top 12. Well, excuse me, elite is the top five, actually, or top six, but. Not even, I mean, you only got 12 guys scoring nine and a half fantasy points per week. So it's Travis Kelsey at 18, and then it's everybody else. So that's why we don't give you a whole bunch of guys to avoid because you really are going to be having to go out here and all of these guys are pretty much going to return value where they're drafted. But we try to find you a couple that we don't believe that are going to return value for where they drafted. I'm going to start with an honorable mention because he didn't make this list after I fucking went in. And I'm all about the numbers and things. And, and also about I, – I didn't have anything against this guy. I thought his game tape was, was great. And I thought the things that he did last season were really good. And this was David Njoku for the Cleveland Browns. Um, I saw that he did slow down a bit when it came to um, having games with Deshaun Watson. Uh, his fantasy points in those last four games, three of the four, he was below our threshold. But the driving factor here was that he was still getting the same amount of targets 
under Deshaun Watson that he was getting in the first, you know, 10, 11 weeks of the season where he was putting up tremendous fantasy numbers. Um, He was averaging about 10.7 fantasy points per game at that point in time. Yes, he slipped down to about 8.5 fantasy points, but that again... His targets didn't go anywhere. He was actually on the field more and running routes more in the games with Deshaun Watson. So if we're taking those last five games that he had with Deshaun Watson and we're saying he's going to be on the field more, he's going to be getting targeted six times a game, he's still going to be able to return value for you where he's being drafted. So I did not put him on here as a tight end to avoid after doing the research, he he immediately jumped out to me again. Like, I'm looking at certain things, and he jumped out to me that, yo, when Deshaun Watson came back, this guy wasn't producing for fantasy. But, again, that could be the fact that Deshaun Watson wasn't in tune with his guys. He had just come back from that uh, suspension, you know, and he just wasn't in sync. With these guys. But David Njoku, his route, his snap percentage went up. His route participation went up. And his targets stayed the same. So I couldn't in good conscience say, yo, this guy is is a guy to avoid when he's going as the tight end 11. He finished as the tight end 11 last season. And with the projections... Being that he's going to be on the field, we're we're projecting that he's going to be on the field more with Deshaun Watson because that's what they did with him. When Deshaun Watson came back, David Njoku was on the field damn near the whole entire time. It was like 96% of snaps. He was on the field. He was on the field damn near the entire time. If he's going to be on the field the entire time and he's going to be participating in routes over 85% of the time, this guy is going to be pretty good for fantasy purposes. So where he's being drafted is fine. David Njoku is a fine get wherever you get him. If he's going at 11 and you get him at tight end 11, I think he's going to return value for him. So I did not put him on this list, but I did want to say that, you know, sometimes the research changes your mind, you know, and I was going to put him on here, like legitimate, but the research changed my mind. So the first guy, that we're going to talk about. He's going as the tight end seven as of this recording. And we're talking New York Giants tight end Darren Waller. I can hear the people in the background already saying, what the fuck? Why would you put Darren Waller on here? Darren Waller's a beast. Darren Waller was a beast. He was. He was a beast back in 2019 and 2020. This is 2023 we're talking about. Two years removed from his historic 2020 season where he was the man. He has not completed a full season since 
He's got multiple hamstring, ankle, knee injuries piled up. Not to mention some back issues that he was having last season with the Raiders. I understand. The New York Giants, they went out, they said, yo, we want this guy on our team. And that is great. That is great that they went out and said they wanted this guy on his team. It's great. Did he sign with him or did he trade him? I think they traded him. I think they traded him. Yeah, they traded him. I'm sorry. They went out, they traded for him. Yeah, they went out, they traded for him, which is great. It says they want, you know, we want this guy on our team. They gave up a third round pick for him. We want this guy on our team, which is great. The problem here is that we're picking this guy as the tight end seven. He hasn't completed a season in two years. And he's going into an offense under Brian Dabble. who the only time that a tight end saw more than 56 targets, not catches, targets in his offense was back in 2010 when he was the offensive coordinator for the Cleveland Browns. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're like, oh, that, was a, that was a while ago. That was a long time ago. That was almost, that was over 10 years ago. Yes, it was over 10 years ago. Since that time. And caveat, Eric Mangini was the head coach at at the time. Which means to tell me, because we knew Eric Mangini was, he was the, he was the, the boy wonder. The genius. The office of genius. It, I'm, there's no way Brian Dable was calling plays. When Ben Watson, at 30 years old, had 102 targets. Brian Dable wasn't calling the plays at that point in time. I can guarantee you Eric Mangini was calling them. And if he wasn't actually calling them, he was telling them because he's he was known for his micromanaging. He was telling them what plays to call. No receiver on that team, no wide receiver on that team had 500 receiving yards. This was the year... That they went 5-11, and 11, that Peyton Hillis breakout year where Peyton Hillis had like 1,000 yards on the ground, had like 77 catches. He was the whole damn office, and then he got on the Madden cover and didn't do a damn thing afterwards. That, that was that year. So no Brian Dable offense outside of that year has seen a tight end get more than 56 targets. Do I think Darren Waller is going to get more than 56 targets? Of course I do. The, the problem is I don't know if Darren Waller is going to stay healthy the whole year. Drafting him at tight end seven is a huge risk. 
It is huge. You know, you're drafting him around the time that you're getting uh, Kyle Pitts and, and, and Dallas Goddard. Those are the guys that, that he's being drafted around. But as far as with other players that he's being drafted around, we're talking about him like we were talking about Alexander Madison in our previous episode. He's going around Cam Akers, Jahan Dotson, uh, Dalvin Cook, Deshaun Watson, Quentin Johnston, Gabe Davis, Brandon Cooks. I'd much rather take a shot on one of those other guys and then come back at tight end and get David Njoku or Pat Fryermuth. You know, come back and get one of those guys. Or even wait a little bit longer here. You know, you could wait a little bit longer and get a Tyler Higbee or somebody. Like, you you have the options of getting other guys. And bolstering your team as opposed to Spinning that pick on him. And I understand. I completely understand. Yo, this guy, when he was healthy, he was the shit. We're two years removed from that. At some point, we got to face facts, man. We got to face reality. That this dude ain't it no more. We got to face that. We had to do it with Julio Jones. We had to do it with Larry Fitzgerald. You know, we had to do it with Jason Witten. We had to do it with all these guys. At some point, we're going to have to do it with Travis Kelsey. I mean, the dude's like 30-some years old. At some point, he's like 33, right? Something like that. At some point, we're going to have to do it with these guys. Like, we got to say, hey, this dude is not it anymore. At some point, we have to say that. And at some point, we have to say that with Darren Waller. And as right now, I'm saying that with Darren Waller. Hey. You got to fucking show me, bruh. You ain't played full season. You ain't even gave me 14 games. Two years in a row. I need 14 games out of you at least in order for me to say, hey, I'm comfortable. And this guy's 30, 31 years old. All them ankle injuries, all them hamstring injuries. Nah, man. Avoid Darren Waller at cost right now, man. Where he's going, you could do so much better for right now. You could do so much better. Like I said, you go out there, man, and instead of drafting him at that particular point in time, because that's really, really early, man, and you could get some big-time names instead of drafting him. So that's one guy to avoid. And our second guy that we're going to talk about, and the reason why we're talking about him is because he's getting, you know, top 10 fantasy tight end 
treatment. He's getting that top 10 fantasy tight end treatment. And he hasn't taken a snap in the NFL. And we're talking about first-round pick from the Buffalo Bills, Dalton Kincaid. And why are we talking about this guy, man? He was a first-round pick. He's going to – he's going to be seated with Josh Allen. This is this is crazy. How could you do that? Well, for similar reasons to what we talked about, for a few of the same reasons what we talked about with Darren Waller. The offensive coordinator – for the Buffalo Bills, he was the quarterback's coach, and he was underneath of Brian Dable. He, they didn't target the tight ends. They didn't target him a lot. Yes. Dawson Knox had a Pro Bowl season, but it was all based on efficiency and touchdowns. He got the ball, and he scored. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's basically what Dawson Knox did last year. When he got the ball, he scored. And it took Brian Dable leaving in order for Dawson Knox to get those those targets. But what does that have to do with Dalton Kincaid? Well, Dawson Knox has a lot to do with Dalton Kincaid. Because on f- September 7th of last season, of last year, they signed Dawson Knox to a four-year extension. Dead cap money each year until 2025 is $20 million. Dead cap hit of $20 million until 2025 when they have an out. They have a potential out in 2025 where they would have a dead cap of $7.8 million. So where are you, what are you doing with a guy who you just gave $52 million to? Where are you, where are you sending him? What are you doing with him? He's not going to completely be phased out of the offense. Like you're, you're not going to sit a guy down that you just paid $52 million to, you're not going to just sit this guy down. That, that doesn't make any sense. We all know that doesn't make any sense. And I do not believe that that's what they're going to do with Dawson Knox. So I'm not saying that Kincaid ain't going to, can't take the starting job from Dawson Knox. Dawson Knox was not, you know, great or anything like that. And I'm sorry, they paid him $31 million guaranteed out of the $52 million. So $31 million of this is guaranteed money. You just paid this dude $31 million guaranteed. Guaranteed. You're not going to completely phase him out of your, your team. Like... And who pays somebody $31 million to be a fucking blocker? Like that, it doesn't make any sense. So that's the first thing that we have against Dalton Kincaid. That 
Dawson Knox is there. He's getting paid $31 million. You're not going to completely phase him out of your offense. So what is the alternative here for Dalton Kincaid? Dalton Kincaid's alternative could be playing a big slot receiver, which at that point you'd have Stephon Diggs on one side, Gabe Davis on the other, and then you'll have uh, Kincaid in the middle as a slot, and then Dawson Knox as the, 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 the straight tight end in the offense. So both Kincaid and Dawson Knox are still going to be on the field together. That's, that's the best way that I think that this could work here. But then we got to look at history. Over the last 10 years, 10 tight ends have been taken in the first round. Of those 10 tight ends, only two have finished in the top 12 of fantasy and PPR in their rookie season. One additional finished 13th, and that was Pat Fryer moved in 2021. The two who finished in the top 12 were sixth overall, Kyle Pitts in 2021, and fifth overall, Evan Ingram in 2017. Now, let's take a deeper look into these teams that these guys were on. Evan Ingram in 2017, the New York Giants win. 3-13 and 13 as a team. Odell Beckham and Brandon Marshall were both hurt, each of them only playing four games. So you got your star wide receiver in Odell Beckham Jr. And then the guy who you brought in to be the number two to help with the rookie that you drafted in the first round. Those two guys go down. So your number one and your number two go down. And then Evan Ingram's got to step up. This team threw the ball. They dropped back. They had pass attempts of over 600 pass attempts. This is what you're looking at. Of course this guy is going to finish like this. He, he balled out. Great. Kyle Pitts went into a 7-10 team. Well, Calvin Ridley was the number one receiver on the team. Decided after five games, hey, I'm having mental issues. I got to step away from the game. They threw the ball over 573 times. So, again, in both those instances where these guys finished in the top six and they finished in the top 12 of fantasy tight ends in their rookie season, the star receiver was away from the team via injury or what have you. And the team threw over 570 times. And they were bad teams. They were not winning teams. In Pat Fryermoose's case, where he finished 13th overall, he only started nine games. And this was that historically bad Pittsburgh Steelers team where they threw the ball over 660 times. He had to win out the starting job. He had to beat Eric Ebron out for the starting job before he could become a starter. He had to do that first. And in the instance of 
Evan Ingram and Kyle Pitts, these guys were athletic freaks running 4-4-40s. Pat Fryermuth and Dalton Kincaid, these two guys, they kind of grayed out the same. Uh, couldn't find any any uh, combine information on Dalton Kincaid. I think like he really skipped it in the only uh, 40 time that has been recorded for him was a 4.70, which was roughly the same as Pat Fryermuth. I loved Pat Fryermuth coming out. I thought Pat Fryermuth was a great tight end. But again, we're talking rookie seasons. You're having to either be on a historically bad team that throws a whole hell of a lot or the number one receiver has to be unavailable for a bit. Right now, there's been news and speculation that, you know, Stefan Diggs ain't showing up for mandatory mini camps and uh mandatory mini camps and uh mandatory OTAs, and that uh they're a little concerned about him not being there. So we could see the superstar wide receiver, the star wide receiver, the number one wide receiver. We could potentially see him out of the way. This could open up something for Dalton Kincaid, but this is not what we are putting our hats on again, you know, 10 years, 10 tight ends taken in the first round. Matter of fact, was Pat Fryer taken in the first round? Was he a first round pick? I don't even know. I have no idea. I can't remember. I, I want to say he was. I want to say he was. He was not. He was not a first-round pick. He doesn't even count here. He wasn't even a first-round pick. Why did I think this guy was a first-round pick? Maybe because he's that goddamn good. Yeah. He wasn't even a first-round pick, and I'm talking about him. So my apologies for talking about Pat Fryer. But he was one of those ones who... Got up there in his, you know, rookie season. But 10 tight ends, only two, finished in the top 12 of their rookie year as a fantasy tight end. Dalton Kincaid could be number three, but he, he's got a little bit of a battle up there. A little bit of battle here. But he's going before tight ends like Higby Everett Firemuth, uh, who we just talked about, and he's going around players like Khalil Herbert, uh, Jarek McKinnon, Rondell Moore, Russell Wilson. You could, again, you could pivot. You can get you one of those guys if you're in need of a quarterback, get your Russell Wilson, get Khalil Herbert, who is projected to take the majority of the snaps there, the majority of the, the, the rushing attempts for the Chicago Bears. Um, or you can get Rondell Moore. Understand he's coming back off of injury. with the Arizona Cardinals team that is no longer going to have DeAndre Hopkins. So it's going to be Marquise Brown, Rondell Moore, and whoever else. That's who it's going to be. So you can 
take one of those guys and then pivot back to get uh Pat Fryermuth or a Tyler Higby. So those are the guys that I think you should avoid as far as the tight end landscape is concerned. You know, I just don't believe that these guys are going to return value um, where they're being drafted. But Dalton Kincaid and Darren Waller are both interesting cases. If you believe that the third tight end is going to break into the top 12 in their rookie season over the last 10 years, you take that back. Probabilities are it's it's possible, but it's not probable. And then as far as a guy coming back and performing hella great after two failed seasons, again, it's possible, but it's not probable. And we look for the probability of things happening, not the possibility of things happening. But be true to thyself. Embrace your addiction. And as always... Earn your chip. I will see you guys on the next one. I'm out.